Welcome to Healing the City Podcast. Today I have a special guest, Julie Brunson. Welcome to the podcast, Julie. Thank you. Today we're going to talk about what it means to be a leader. And you cap you captured it so perfectly in the way that you described it when we first talked. Can you can you say that again? The um, leading through weakness. Weakness. So we're gonna be talking about um, about leading through weakness today because I think that a lot of times churches and organizations assume or put this idea on leaders that if you're a leader, you have it together, that you, if you have issues that they need to be hidden because you're the leader and everyone's looking at you. And I think it's pretty clear in scripture that that's not the expectation of a Christian. Yeah, I kind of prefer the expression minister to leader in the Christian context. Um, I think in in the Bible, in the New Testament particularly, the word leader isn't used very often. Um, And even in in expressions of who Christ is, he, he comes as a minister and i think when we focus on the idea of being a leader it carries with it a lot of that power dynamic and a lot of the getting it right and achieving something more Mm -hmm. whereas in ministry we're alongside one another uh, working with one another's strengths and weaknesses and moving forward in the path that Jesus laid for us. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to try and take that word as my own, too, (laughs) as a a minister. So I want just to hear some of your story, and one of the things that I often do when we open the podcast is talk about, you know, what brought you to the village or what brought you into being a minister here. And um, for people who don't know, you've been part of the village for a really long time. So if you could kind of just... Since before. Since before, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so um, if you'd be willing to start us from the beginning. So Eric and Sue uh, and my husband Keith and I uh, were in ministry together before the village officially became a church before when we met Rod is when we sort of moved in the direction of planting the village. We were previously uh, the actually the Sunday night service uh, that we have as or originally that we had as the village previously met in the house that Eric and Sue and Keith and I bought together um, and had throughout the time that we'd been ministering together had been uh, like we were we were a team uh, doing that service it's it it existed before the village actually became a church Uh, and actually when Rod came into our context is when we understood that we were doing church Mm. and kind of became more intent on planting something specific when I met Eric uh, and Sue, well, it was before 
I, I think it was before Eric and Sue were married. Um, <clears throat> I was in a pretty severe postpartum depression. Uh, I was in counseling with Eric's mom, uh, Patty Seepin, and um, really in kind of a difficult place um, dealing with being a new mom and dealing with past trauma. Uh, I have pretty substantial complex trauma from my childhood. Um, and just beginning to look at some of those things in my marriage. And uh, and I, I grew up in a family that ministers, that uh, that was uh, a big part of our identity. And so I just was ministering. I was doing whatever came available. And, and so um, we began ministering together. Uh, uh, Eric's mom and one of the pastors and Eric were working with a pastor at a larger church uh, doing a young adult ministry. And so really, as I came into relationship with Eric, I was already in that place of needing healing mm-hmm. and experiencing healing in, an, in again, a new way. I, I think throughout my life, God has brought different people who have have brought me to new places in my healing process. Uh, and I think with with Eric's mom Patty, that was um, that was a significant one of those times where some where new ideas um, of the gospel and of what uh, uh, what it looked like t- to bring that to bear on the experience, the traumatic experiences that I had had in my in my youth and in uh, both trauma from my youth and then also uh, I have rheumatoid arthritis that was diagnosed when I was in my early 20s that was another layer of trauma and so kind of I was in a place of exploring what those things meant in the context of the gospel and my experience in the larger church was that because I was doing that and talking about what I was experiencing, other people were drawn to talk to me about what they were experiencing that they maybe had not yet revealed to another person. Mm -hmm. What I found in that was loneliness because there wasn't a larger context where I could say, hey, here are other people who are experiencing this feeling of weakness and uh, a lot of times people who are in spaces of trauma, as, as I have experienced throughout my healing path, there are times of incapacity and times of maybe overcapacity. And so to come to a place where um <clears throat> excuse me it to come to a place where 
people could talk about what they were experiencing and the different layers of healing and the different kinds of sins that may be prevalent in particular kinds of trauma or struggle. And what I found in first really in Eric's mom, Patty, in our relationship was a place where those things could be talked about without shame. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Patty and her, and John, Eric's parents, were um, trained in in sort of the uh, in Larry Crabb's uh, master's program way back in the day, uh, and there was a lot of bringing of uncovering shame and and understanding what it was to bring the gospel to bear on that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as we came into ministry with Eric, uh, I, I was kind of ground zero wounded person that Eric, who was coming out of a much healthier family, and Sue also coming out of a much healthier family, when we came together in ministry, there was an understanding and a and a, a lack of a lack of shame mm-hmm. that was placed on me mm-hmm. and and we came in as co-leaders which allowed me to offer the strengths that i had mm-hmm. but also offer what it looks like to to actually minister from the places of weakness, to mm-hmm. be honest about the places of weakness. And I think to begin to explore those places in people who are who don't look as damaged. I I sometimes look really damaged and sometimes I don't. And I think for uh, to be able to invite people who don't look as damaged to begin to understand that their weaknesses are also a place where they're going to be able to offer something to people who are struggling is a beautiful thing and is is very core to the gospel. Jesus, when Jesus comes to us, he doesn't come to us from a place of all power. Mm-hmm. He, he is that, but he comes to us from a place of pain and suffering and and connects with people in that. Um, and so to begin to look at how that can make the gospel accessible to people who are struggling and who are looking at this culture of power and saying, I can't lead because mm-hmm. I I don't have it together. Mm-hmm. And as a person, I, I'm bipolar also, so as a person who sometimes really looks together and then other times is really not. Um, I kind of have a window into those, and um, and so Eric and Sue were a real gift to me. Um, in that when uh, and I, we we eventually moved in together and bought a house together twenty one plus years ago. Um, before the village officially planted and are still living together. And obviously that gave them a greater window into, probably a greater window into my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you kind of, when you're not living together, you can sort of look better. 
you can maybe <laughs> in the public keep it together until yeah, you go longer. home. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> so, um, I mean, which was very exposing, but also very healing mm. in that, you know, they saw when I went through long periods of depression and they cared for my kids uh, at times when I was unable to. Um, and and then also, but without shame, mm-hmm. and with continuing to look at me as a person, as a whole person who has things to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that gift and that experience in early in our ministry together, I think in some ways is very formative for the village where we, I I mean, I think Eric and Sue already had a longing to minister to people who uh, had difficulty accessing some of the things that were large, that were available in church and, and already had a sense of sort of bringing the gospel to people who were in need. Um, And I'm not, you know, I'm not in their head, so I, I'm not sure how much they perceived me to be the weak person, mm-hmm. um, especially since I'm older, things like that. But but I think that way of ministering and of them being honest about their own struggles and um, engaging with me in, a, in particular maybe more visible weaknesses with compassion in the sense of alongside ministry as opposed to just pity and sympathy on the side, but really engaged in compassion was really a big, like that was a a big part of me understanding my value and, um, and I think of understanding what the village might offer to the world. Because when we planted the village, and gathered this ragtag bunch, um, it it became a place where when people would come to me, I did have other people that I, I wasn't lonely anymore. Mm-hmm. When people would come to me and they hadn't shared something that they had struggled with, um, that I could br- like say, hey, why don't we talk to this other group of people who are are struggling or who have worked with people who are struggling mm-hmm. and and even as we formed into the beginning church that the village was um and had our group of leaders that included men there would be women that i worked with who had been sexually abused and had a lot of shame and i could say why don't we come and let the leaders pray for you and to have this group of people who could pray for someone in such a vulnerable place, mm-hmm. um, men and women, and and to be able to trust that they would hold it. Like that was really in the formation of the village, that ability to offer the healing of Jesus to people at their place of shame was I think really, is a really key significant element of people being forthright with their own sin in the leadership realm 
of mm-hmm. of church, you know, from the pulpit, or if we, I guess, I don't know if we have a pulpit or not at the mm-hmm. village, but from from the front to say this is a sin I struggle with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and and I mean, when we came to the village, you were leading a a women's group reading a, a book on sexual abuse. Uh huh. I don't remember what it was called. I the think wounded heart. The wounded heart, and it was an interesting dynamic because, not at least at that point in my life, identifying as someone who had um, experienced sexual abuse, wondering, well, I want to be a part of you know that group because it was. And of course, now that I know the village, I probably could have just asked to to join it. Indeed. In it. <laughs> but at that point, you know, but I just remember thinking, like, there's no shame in who's in this group. It's not this secret group that no one talks about. In, it, fa- in fact, the first time we did the round of groups, we did a men's group and a women's group. And there were, it was pretty... There were, it was a lot of, a high percentage of the village participated Mm -hmm. in those groups. And there was also, like, in leading that group, um, there was also uh, uh, Emily and Karen um, came and they would pray for the group while the group was meeting they committed to pray for the group while the group was meeting wow. and so which again is is sort of that sense of there's just so many different ways mm-hmm. of addressing it but the the idea is that is that the shame that we feel like that's the thing that's diffused when you offer your own place of weakness mm. because the only antidote to shame is light like like you can only heal from shame in the light you can't right. heal from shame in the darkness you can't <clears throat> hide in your room and experience shame and then overcome it mm-hmm. it has to be it has to come into the light that Jesus offers which says there is no shame mm. like like whatever twinge that you feel of of guilt about things, if if it has to do with a sin, mm-hmm. then repent and be forgiven, and there's no shame. Sure. If it is about things that have been done to you, um, Jesus doesn't hold those things in shame. And I mm-hmm. and I think in a lot of arenas, we try to figure out well you know i mean which is the thing that you did wrong and which is and and certainly in the arena of sexual abuse where you know in my in my own experience there have been struggles with pornography with uh over ministry with you know there are lots of different elements that come out of those abuse with promiscuity with you know there there are all kinds of things that have come out that are connected to that abuse that may be sinful behaviors. Mm-hmm. And some of them are my sin, and some of them are the ways that I was sinned against. And there's a tendency to think, you know, oh, well, we need to ferret out what, which is, what, what part is my responsibility and what part is the responsibility of someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's a fool's errand mm-hmm. because our, like, if we look at sin in terms of turning away from God, then we all do that in 
you know, I might be doing something where I'm turning away from God. And also it's because of the effect of having been wounded. Right. So I don't have to ferret that out. I just need to bring that before God and Mm -hmm. confess it in, and preferably confess it in the context of relationship with my community in some form. Um, Because that's actually where Jesus is able to say, you're forgiven, Mm -hmm. is, is when we come with one another and recognize the power of, of the gospel and the things that Jesus is actually offering So you've been listening to Healing the City podcast with Adrian Crawford. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.